now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. See, a United States Astro Robot becomes a creature of death. And these. We have come here to this planet for one purpose only, to acquire breeding stuff to repopulate our planet. Hello everyone and welcome to Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast from Class to Colts and all the cheese in between. The movies are beef. Entertainment is grade A. And I'm your host, Mr. Jason Giaconetti, and I'm joined by my dad, Mr. Al Giaconetti. Good morning, Jason. Today we're going to be talking about a movie that when you hear the title, you're going to see, you're going to think to yourself, oh, I remember that. Wasn't there a couple of sequels? And then weren't there a couple of uh, copycat movies? You're wrong. This movie is unique. To itself, the film Cabin in the Woods. And we'll get to it right after this. Why don't we find out? Look at all this. What is that? Diary of Anna Patience Buckner. And there's something in Latin. Do not read the Latin. Dana! Dolor supervivo caro. Dolor igneo animus. Seriously believe nothing weird is going on. We have a winner! It's the Buckners, ladies and gentlemen! The Buckners pull the W. Let's get this party started! You understand what's at stake. We should split up. Yeah, good idea. Really? Gotta keep the customer satisfied.
the Woods was released April 13th, 2012 with a 95 minute running time. Your director is first time director Drew Goddard. Now Drew Goddard, um, that name might sound familiar because he is known as a writer um, and he worked on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, Angel, Alias, Lost, and this is why he's actually, um, you know, he, he, knows jo he knows Josh Wheaton and Josh Wheaton's very involved in this here. Uh, and then uh, he also was the writer on Cloverfield, World War Z, and then 2015's The Martian. Um, he actually, and he made his, obviously his debut here. Um, he actually has won uh, awards, the Hugo Award for his work on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, the Writers Guild of America for Lost, and then uh, he was a National Board Review Award winner for uh, The Martian. Um, your writers are Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard. Now, Joss Whedon, of course, um, everyone knows um, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and stuff like that, and Angel and Firefly. And um, then he became kind of important in Marvel uh, and, you know, helped them with uh, a lot of their cinematic unit, uh, you know, part of their working with them as part of their um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and stuff like that. He's um, obviously... He's been a director. He's been a producer. He's been, you know, he's done a lot of different uh, things throughout his time. Um, the the um, obviously he worked here on Cabin in the Woods, um, and then he eventually went to work uh, on like Justice League and stuff like that as yeah. well. So uh, Joss Whedon is a pretty big name uh, for there. I mean, again, some people forget that he did any work with Marvel at all, but he did, um, and then he went on, and now he's very much part of the DC. Uh, world of things kind of thing and, and you know, obviously Zack Snyder and guys like that of course right. too but he's part of that as well um, he also produced this film um, and uh, so, so your stars here um, Kristen Conley uh, Kristen Conley um, is the main star most people know her now from uh, either the Netflix series House of Cards or the CBS series Zoo um, which is her mo most mainstream stuff she's ever done um, you have Chris Hemsworth. Now, Chris Hemsworth, of course, is Thor, um, but he. Uh, this is before he was Thor. I mean, this. Yeah, Thor, though, right. You know, he kind of was. A, he was a hot young actor coming up and stuff. But he had. Um, you know, everyone knows him as being Thor. Uh, Anna Hutchison. Um, people know her uh, from. Uh, she was on Power Rangers Jungle Fury. Uh, she was actually on. Um, uh, on the Go Go Girls, which ran for. Uh, for three or four years. Um, she was in Spartacus, War of the Damned, um, Anger Management, the, the TV series. Um, and then uh, she was in the movie The Right Girl. You have Fran, uh, uh, Fran Krizan, uh, so Francis Krizan. He was um, part of the, uh, he was in um, the Dollhouse, the series The Dollhouse. Uh, he's also in the movies Much About Do About Nothing, Death of a Salesman. Um, he's he might be he's has a big role in the movie, but he's one of the lesser known people now out of this film. Um, and then you have uh, the last of the quote unquote teenagers, which is the college kids, is Jesse Williams. Now Jesse Williams, um, most people know from Grey's Anatomy. Uh, literally, that's where he's known from. Again, he he was in other movies as well, um, but he is mostly known for for Grey's Anatomy. And then your other two people that you might know, well, there's three people. There's two others that are you might know. One of them is uh, Rich, uh, Richard Jennings. Uh, Jennings. Um, now you'll know him from Six Feet Under if you're, you know, if you go that far back. He was also in Burn After Reading and Step Brothers and Let Me In and Jack Reacher and Shape of Water and The Last Shift and you know he's made a whole bunch. Yep. He's a character actor. 
Um, and uh, Brantley Whitford, who I'm going to tell you right now, if you know him, you know him as Josh Lyman from The West Wing because he literally was on that show forever. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and he even wound up winning. Uh, he was nominated for three consecutive primetime Emmys. Um, and he wound up, um, he earned himself a nomination, but he also won as well. But that's what he's really known for. And the other person who's here, who's never listed anywhere, is Sigourney Weaver, who shows up at the very end. And if you don't know who Sigourney Weaver is, stop listening right now. Yeah. So, um, the, you know, a, a, a cast of characters who, some of them became bigger stars. There's some character actors. And Sigourney Weaver's the surprise at the end. But it's like, when you see them, like, oh, I know that guy. Oh, I know that guy. And then, of course, everyone now knows Chris Hemsworth because you're like, oh, it's Thor. Yeah. And it's the doctor from, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? It's the doctor from, uh, um, I just blanked on where uh, Jesse Williams is from. But yeah, so. What I liked about the, the, the cast, Anatomy. what I what I liked about the cast was that this was not an ensemble of no-name people who just got out of acting school. The The acting in this, in this film is really good. Okay, but so the reason why that is, is originally... That well, this is a Josh Wheaton. Thing. Yeah, oh no, that's he yeah. got them in. Yeah. This isn't because Drew Goddard knew a bunch of people or had pictures of a bunch of people, right? It's because Josh Wheaton's like, hey, I'm gonna make this movie. Like, yes, Josh Wheaton was red hot. He still is, yeah. you know, a get bona fide. Put his name on something, he's gonna make money. But he was red hot, and they were like, yes, we're making this movie, kind of thing. So he brought a lot of people in. Yeah, I mean, and the the writing. That's what I'm saying. The writing. Is 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 very good, but having the actors to actually emote uh, the 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 scenes, the empathy, and and what have you, makes it makes it. It's a lot better than some of the other things that that we've even reviewed, uh, where the 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 actors there are either are just pretty faces, but uh, couldn't put two words together. Yeah. So your production company is Mutant Enemy Productions. There's no surprise there. That's just Wheaton's production company. Right. Um, it, Lionsgate di distributed this, and this is when Lionsgate was during the time when Lionsgate had kind of gone from being like they were on the cutting edge of having stuff that no one uh, even kind of knew. Like they had what do you call? It? They were like they, they were the ones who were going to go get. That, that movie that was on the fringe of what you heard of in Fangoria or like not even Rumor get and stuff like that like go get those magazine those uh, those movies and put them out and you knew he was like well it's a Lionsgate movie this is going to be pretty good Lionsgate had kind of moved into being a mid-major right. um, and had started putting out you know a lot of their own stuff but they also were dealing with what he called they also were dealing with the fact that you had um, at Lionsgate you had all the um, what do you call stuff like you had you they, like they were getting into the time when they were producing you know, hard R movies. They were rated R movies coming out and they knew what they were working to. You're working to a certain audience. Lionsgate is known for their horror, which is a perfect place to have this all come out of there. Um, and then uh, your music was by David Julian, um, who, uh, you know, uh, he, again, other he wound up working on... Um, um, like uh, well, Larceny, which is a uh, Christopher Nolan old film, he worked on Memento and, and uh, Following and uh, Insomnia and stuff like that. So um, he had kind of a, a little run there. The budget for this movie is thirty million dollars, and uh, if you think about like some of the budgets we talk about from '80s movies, and they're like, you know, this insane budget of seventeen million dollars and like thirty million dollars is a pretty small budget. It's not small, small, but for 2011 or 2012 in that range, it's not insanely huge because we are not in the, we're not quite into the hundreds of millions of dollar budgets yet. You know, with the, some of the Marvel movies, but they were getting there. But your return on investment was 66.5 million, so they more than doubled their money uh, worldwide. Um, and originally, 
uh, Goddard and Whedon had talked. Obviously, they worked together on Buffy and Angel, which is you know kind of thing. And they wrote screenplay. They, they did all that stuff. They had worked on this screenplay, and it took them about three days to kind of like write the whole screenplay out because they had wanted to revamp or revitalize. I should say not revamp, revitalize the slasher film. Uh, but they would didn't want to fall into what was is you know quote unquote torture porn, which was with stuff of hostile and things like that. Uh, which they wanted to make a movie that was smart and but had the kills and had the blood and had the gore. And you got to remember, this isn't a post. Uh, we already have um, you know House of Thousand Corpses. We have Hostel. We have those right. movies, Cabin in the Woods, things like that. Those things all exist. And people kind of were like, I don't know about that kind of stuff. Because again, either you love that. Or you hated that stuff. It's very polarizing. Right. Well, that's what I was saying. Is that the the title of this of this film, Cabin in the Woods? It it, it almost it says to you, "Oh, I know those." That's what I said in my opening. It was to me. I hadn't seen this movie in quite a while, and I did not think it was the, it was this movie. I thought it was like Cabin Fever, and but and again, like you just said, it is. It's a unique film, and when we get into discussing mm-hmm. what it is. It is one that I, I you got to watch. You just have to watch because it's it's really it's really thought provoking and you and it's, 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 well, I can't even find the word. So they uh, wanted to keep again. There are some things in this movie that you couldn't do without CGI, just without it's oh, just physically right. without it, right? But and they kept and that's where some of the budget went to. Yeah, but the special effects, makeup, the monster create costumes, the the makeups themselves, the prosthetics. They wanted to use as much as real as they could. Um, and a lot of that's realized, obviously, with some of the zombies. Like, some of the... Anything that's not, like, you know, a 50-foot-tall snake can be realized a lot of times with makeup effects. Right. And that's AFX Studios was responsible for that. The shooting on this actually started back... Um, uh, they shot in British Van- uh, uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, um, between March and May of 2009. And then they had to go in and do the effects work and stuff like that. So a lot of principal photography was done. And then this thing kind of like, not sat on the shelf, but kind of had to get finished. And it took the better part of, so when they're filming, they had to do whatever reshoots they had to do. Um, Originally, this was supposed to come out in in 2010 from MGM and United. But they put it on the shelf because they had some financial difficulties with getting things done. Which is where Lionsgate got in to pick up the rights. And that's how Lionsgate was able to get this movie. This movie was big for Lionsgate because they didn't actually have to fund it. They just had to distribute it. Right? Which is, if if you can do that, if someone else can spend all their money making it and you can come in and pick it up and put it out there, it's it's funny. Those some people know this, and I know you know this. Um the House of Thousand Corpses was filmed, and then they said, this movie will never see the light of day, and they, they shelved it. It's it's worthless. And every time it became more and more worthless, every time it sat longer and longer, Rob Zombie was able to purchase back bits and pieces. He was able to buy back you know, the dist- you know the, the soundtrack rights and the disc rights, and, and eventually he owned the entire movie, and he goes, great, now I'll just put it out. And they're yeah. like, no one will see this movie. <laughs> Meanwhile, House of Thousand Corpses come out, and again, whether you like House of Thousand Corpses or not, um, you know, you have to admit... It is unlike any other movie that was coming out at that time, and Rob. And again, it's like a Rob Zombie music video. It's Rob Zombie's a Rob Zombie concert is unlike any other concert I think you can ever see. It's just totally different with all the people will say, "Oh, it's a lot like maybe Ozzy Osbourne this time or Alice Cooper." Yeah, there's bits and pieces. The the the, the videos playing behind him on stage, the 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 puppets, the the fire, the it's it's just an insane experience, um, that is not for everyone. But 
that, but House of the Corpses is not for everyone. But that movie, you remember when it, we finally saw it, had been shelled for years and years and years. But then he makes Devil's Rejects, right. which to me is the better movie. And that movie is the most sadistic. One of the, I mean, it's far. Devil's Rejects is much more realistic, so it's more sadistic. It's more depraved. It's more disgusting right. than House of Thousand Corpses. And then Three from Hell mm-hmm. is kind of like the. It's I don't know. It's hard to describe Three from Hell. It's kind of like Devil's Rejects again, but like done differently. And it's not mm-hmm. quite up to. It's not quite as good. It's brutal. Don't get me wrong. And there's some stuff in here. You're like, oh, this is Rob Zombie. Are there are there uh, are there naked Mexican prostitutes running around? That's eh, a Rob Zombie movie, you know. So, yeah. it's like, oh, so um, anyway, but that's the kind of so that's where Lionsgate was able to come in and grab that up. Um, it it debuted at the Butt Numathon Festival in Austin in the winter of 2011 and uh, Cabin in the Fever that is uh, Cabin uh, Cabin uh, Cabin Fever excuse me Cabin in the Woods that is and became a smash hit like people were like talking about this it became super big Fango Rumorg all of them picked it up and when this came out I saw this and the you know I'm I'm thinking of stuff going yeah this movie is going to be something because it was not what because when you're reading it they kept not telling you a lot. It's like, well, we can't tell you. We can't tell you. I'm like, why can't they tell me? Yeah. Why can't they tell me? Because when Cabin Fever came out, it was no, on the cover of Room Org was, I forget her, the actress's name, the blonde. Her face is completely chewed away. That's yeah. the cover of Room Org magazine. Eli Roth did not hide the fact that he's like, well, I'm going to show you people's skin falling right. off and rotting. I'm not going to hold back. And that movie doesn't. This one, they were like, well, we're going to have these people go in the woods. And they totally played up like it's, you're watching yeah, basically and, an, either an Evil Dead remake, right? That's what I'm saying. The first 20 minutes, yeah, is, is, you're right because yeah. it, it went when they finally get to the cabin, it looks like the cabin. Well, it's from supposed Evil to. Dead. It's supposed to. It, yeah. Everything in this movie is supposed to be a nod to Evil Dead yeah. or another because you have two people, Drew Goddard and Josh Whedon, are fans of horror and they're fans of like yeah. the, whatever and they're the right age where they would have seen these movies, right. so they're paying homage to everything. There's lots of things, right? There. I mean, but the before they get to the cabin, there's there's a, a little blip on on the screen, and it, if you're not paying attention, yeah, you've missed well, it. Right, right. But believe me, that yeah. is the plot. All right. So uh, our movie opens in an underground laboratory where Gary St- uh, Stitzerson and Steve Hadley are discussing plans for, well. Originally, they're discussing why his wife is now installed uh, um, um, childproof locks, and they can't even get pregnant. So they, she's like, and she goes, she put him on the upper cabinets. He'll be thirty before you can reach those things, right? <laughs> and that's one of the things Josh Whedon and and Drew Goddard, um, you know, when they when they were writing the plot, they said we got to make sure people are kind of aw- we want people to be misled. They wanted you to be misled. So when you start watching this, you're like, wait, am I in the right movie? Yeah. And like you sit there, because it's it looks like just two guys working for a government agency or a yeah. company of some kind, and it doesn't look like the right movie. And they say, Well, you know, they're talking about something failed in Stockholm. Well, don't worry, we still have Japan and us, and Japan is hundred percent closure. It sounds like they're talking about maybe a nuclear reactor, maybe it's some they're building something. something like it's something Totally sounding innocuous into what you're doing. And then, of course, Cabin in the Woods bursts on the screen, which, of course, 
is direct homage to Evil Dead. Because when you yeah. watch the original Evil Dead, it's, it's whatever, and then Evil Dead on the screen, right? And of course, they did that in Evil Dead, uh, the, the the one they made in 2013. They did right. that in yeah. Don't Breathe. They do, like, they do in a lot of movies because people are paying homage to Sam Raimi. Because without Sam Raimi and uh, Bruce Campbell and, uh, you know, um, all the guys who are now K&B effects and, all the, and those guys spending weekends, you know, starving and freezing in the woods, we wouldn't have had Evil Dead. And Evil Dead's pretty dang important for what right. you know inspired coming forward um they, so they're talking about that then we cut to american college students now we have uh dana polk we have uh jules loudon we have kurt vaughn holden mccray and marty uh, M- uh Malansky. now they are when you look at them you're thinking like okay so they are all fulfilling roles in this movie and you're like and this is what they try to do they try to make sure you understand they're here to fill roles. The idea being is that Jules just dyed her hair blonde, right? right. right? Here comes, uh, you know, Chris Hemsworth. He's Kurt, and he's the football star, right? And then, then they have Holden, who is supposed to be the nerd, but he's also. But they then drop hints, like uh, Kurt. Is, he says, "Oh, if you want to read this, because he's a sociology major, right. he's like read this one instead." That the professor is going to teach that entire book. Read this one. He doesn't know this one as well. You'll sound insightful. Like all of a sudden, the the jock isn't the jock. He's now smart, and the the nerd or the egghead or the whatever you want to call him outside this the scholar right kind of thing. He's also the best receiver on the football team, right? And then the 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 one who's supposed to be the quote unquote the whore the blonde right. She's a pre-med major who's not sleeping around. She's in a monogamous relationship. Meanwhile, the virgin, quote unquote, just was sleeping with her teacher. Like it's over there. It's all there though. But when you watch it, if you're not paying very close attention, you miss all the, not that you miss it, but it's like, you don't think about like, well, that's not character type. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. The only one who's pretty much on type is Marty, who is the stoner. Right. right, he is. He's smoking the. And this is one hundred percent on screen. Yeah. Every, every, oh no. Yeah. Well, again, this is two, this is two thousand eleven uh, into yeah. two thousand twelve. This is not now where literally it's legal to like smoke marijuana in yeah. half the country. Right. He's got what it's it's a it's a travel mug, but it turns into a sick like a five foot long bong, and he's smoking the bong as he's driving, and there's smoke coming out the window, and you're like, okay, like, you know, this is. It's like this is so stereotypical. Right. Everyone here is a stereotype, except they're they have little clues that they're not. not. The stoner guy, he's a conspiracy theorist, which is not that far stretched for some stoners, right? Some of us might be on this. Some people might be on this network who are like that, but he's like not dumb. No, it, he's, he's very he's, intelligent. He's, he's, the, the his comments are very insightful. Yeah. Um, so, which, which is which is funny because yeah. he also then says, "You have any food?" Like he does yeah. the stoner thing too. Yeah. So, as we are looking at this crew of people, you're like, "Okay, this is setting us up for a 1980s right, right. you know, slasher, slasher flick." It 100 has the feeling of they're going into the woods. They're going to get slashed up by some guy in a mask who yep. has mommy issues or whatever, right? And that's the thing. When we talk about, we talked about this back in August when we talked about uh, Friday the 13th Part 3. As much as you did not enjoy Friday the 13th Part 3 as much as you enjoyed 1 and then and 2, yeah. um, Part 3 was where you start really getting like, here's the formula, guys. It yeah. all works. Think about that crew. 
Think about this crew. Yeah. They look almost <laughs> identical, right? right? Exactly, right. And that's what Josh Whedon and, and uh, Drew Goddard were trying to do. They were purposely trying to make every character in this movie look like one of the quote-unquote stereotypes. They have to fit their role, and we'll understand why in a few minutes. But it's like, okay, so are they just making like a send-up? Because you could make movies that, you know, have all these people in these roles, but in a post-Scream world where Wes Craven literally took a genre and kind of turned on his ear, you know, where like, you know, you're like, well, but that can't be how this is. The, that girl's supposed to be doing this. That girl's supposed to be, and, and what happens? In, in, in Scream, for those of you who haven't seen Scream in a while, you can remember, Drew, uh, Drew Barrymore is on the freaking poster, dies in the first five minutes. It's very much psycho. It's very much paying homage to that. And of course, Wes Craven paying homage to Hitchcock there yep. with that. Of course, she's a hundred percent blonde. Got to be blonde. She, you know, gets gutted and then like left there, whatever. But then they're like, well, you know, she always says, well, they're always stupid. And I, well, even Nev Campbell says they should be running out the front door. They run up the stairs when she's running out the front door. Well, Nev Campbell tries to run out the front door, and the ghost face killer's there. So where does she go? Up the stairs. It's things like that that Wes Craven said. Oh no, no, we know what the stereotypes are. We're going to turn them on their ear. Josh Whedon said, okay, Wes, watch what I can do. I'm going to give you exactly what you think you're getting, but it's not yeah, anything you think you're getting. Right. Yeah. So they hit the road in the Rambler, right? And of course, mm-hmm. yeah, you know. The, the big, uh, the, you know, yeah, the, the, the mobile home, the mobile right? Home. And I love that they're in there and they're, and like, what happens? So this is, this is how you know it's not 1980, whatever. She goes, Jewel says, this doesn't even show up on GPS. It's un-GPS worthy. Yeah. And what is, what is Marty doing but rolling mm-hmm. joints? Yeah. He's got so much pot on this table just rolling joints and they're going in and that's when they cross they get they, they go into there and they stop for gas now uh. they stop at a gas station and some of you are thinking i've seen this gas station it looks a lot like the gas station that you would have seen in the hills have eyes another west right. craven movie which of course was referenced in a great movie wrong turn and referenced in how many other countless movies where you have the old man at the gas station right, right? This scene and the guy who's there is referred to as the, as the harbinger, right? Okay, that's that's what he's called when yeah. when he calls him. Yes. Harbingers are on the phone. Harbinger's he's on. harbinger, right? So they have what we see at the very end of when they're leaving. The guy who's like everything's in place. They're they're heading out. You're like, okay, they're being targeted for something. Right. Harbinger, the harbinger, right? He is every stereotypical redneck whatever like you know kind of thing he's not inbred but he's like it's big that he's chewing tobacco he's like he's racist he's whatever but he tells them flat out don't go there you'll die basically without saying that he tells them that because he's the harbinger of bad news when they ask him how do we get this well you can take this road in but you may never come you don't have enough gas to get out right kind of thing and that's the whole thing and i'm like Okay, so how many movies have the Harbinger? Every Friday the 13th in the first... It's, you know, he gave me this eye to whatever. Like, you know, you're all doomed, right? They're telling them, don't go there. So if they listen to the Harbinger, it's a short movie and nothing happens, right? And it turns into a romantic comedy. But, like, this is where they're told, don't go in there. Yeah, but see, the Harbinger's on the payroll. Well, but... He does his job. Yeah, his job yeah. is to tell them, don't go in there. They don't listen. Now, if they don't stop there, 
If they have enough gas and they don't stop. Well, there's it. no way. That's the whole point. Yeah. There's not a gas station. He's the only gas. Right. And you're going to need to get, because you have to stop. But that's the whole point of this movie. And also, they, have to, they ask for directions, too. Is that, yeah. Is this, which road do we right. go? So you have, a, you, have a, you have a place that's not on any GPS. You don't have directions. You stopped and had to get, like, they're all the things that were, are the tropes of these movies. Right. Yeah. They have to be there, right? So, um, where we, so they, uh, okay. So, we now they they go they, they get to the cabin and of course they're looking around the cabin and whatever and the cabin is it is literally the cabin right out of Evil Dead um, kind of thing that one or two doesn't matter pick your pick or the the 2013 version um, and you know you're thinking like okay what you know you know what they're gonna start doing they already they're gonna do drinking they're gonna like you know smoking a lot of pot and they're having sex and those are the things that are happening so now we cut back to the lab where you're like huh. Like, are they kind of watching what they're yeah. doing? And, on the, and it doesn't make sense because you're yeah, like, right? All, yeah, because there's there's like eight screens, yeah. showing the different rooms. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, well, they're watching them. Okay, so you still don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. But they also have on a screen. Now we start seeing you're like, okay, something's got to be up because on one of the screens it shows Stockholm and it's in flames and whatever and it's in flames and they have Japan where. Literally, a a uh, Japanese uh, ghost story has broken out, and there's all these little girls getting terrorized by this uh, this demon. Oh, that's well, she's a ghost, right? Yeah. And you're like, you're like, well, Japan's got this in the bag. Look at this. They there. We, we just got to go through the numbers here, and it's like, wait, what are they talking about? Yeah. Like, you're still confused, and that's when you get that you have he, um, um, Jesse Williams' character uh, Holden. He takes down the the really disturbing racist picture that's there and you can see into the other room and that's when they switch and it's it's kind of like i'm not saying this stuff is important because it's kind of building who they are as characters and you're like okay so he's he's a nice guy he's willing to switch rooms so she he's not looking in on her sure. but she can look in on him the what do you call uh marty is just smoking weed constantly and yet you know they're they're gonna their college friends are gonna have a good time but they start thinking like like why are they they even say like, "Well, why are we acting like this? Why are we doing these things? Like, it's so against what they are." Well, this is when stuff starts getting revealed. So we now get revealed that they've now put uh, certain chemicals in to make them uh, the uh, you know, well, the in the hair dye has they put it in the blonde, the dumb blonde. It's actually made her like either it's made her uh, more amorous and more whatever. And she, and she's kind of like not as smart as she was. She's, I know I just did, but she's getting dumber. As you watch the movie, she's like literally pre-med super smart, but she's like really letting things go and they're getting drunk. And then you're like, but Kurt's like understanding and whatever. And all of a sudden he's starting to act kind of like a, like the alpha male. Like, why is he acting like that? Right. Kind of thing. And it's all of them are starting to kind of morph into these characters. And you think to yourself going, wait a minute, this is playing against the type they were. When we started the movie, why are they changing? Well, we cut back to the lab and they're like, oh yeah, we put this in the hair dye. Oh yeah, we're we're pumping this in. We're putting it in the beer. Like they're purposely tricking, right. we're not tricking, but they're purposely drugging them to do what they're supposed to do. And you're like, oh my God, are you kidding? Now at this point, because this is only 40 minutes, 35, 40 minutes in, 40 minutes into this movie, we haven't even got to any creatures yet, is you're like, they're pulling the strings. Marty keeps saying, well, there's some puppet master at work. He's telling you the whole time. Right. <clears throat> so, 
Needless to say, that's when this when they, uh, they're all doing that stuff, and that's where the scene where Marty goes, "I dare you to make out with that moose." That is a direct reference to the moose on the wall oh. in Evil Dead, which of course comes alive, and they start laughing at Ash when he. Well, Pete, there's some debate about whether Ash is really dead at that point or if he's just you know possessed. Mm-hmm. I'm in the world that he's dead and that you know whatever, but it's it's okay, right? Kind of thing. But that's the whole point. And she makes out with the with it's the wolf. wolf. Yeah. Well, the wolf it's... on his tongue. The tongue was um, uh, silicone, right. and they coated the whole tongue with uh, powdered um, powdered powdered sugar. Yeah. And so when she's licking and sucking on the tongue, so it didn't taste like whatever. But they said that it was that scene. This movie's got a lot of like gruesome kills in it. That scene was the one of the most talked about scenes when they first showed this movie. They said, oh my God, that scene was so amazing. Everyone's like, that's the hottest scene in the whole movie. It's designed, it's disgusting, but it's designed to be titillating. Yeah. Well, remember, it was a truth or death situation. Right, right, right. But I'm saying is, but that's the whole point. It's like, it wasn't like in the middle, it wasn't like they were having sex or something like that. It's not a sex scene, but it's, and it's gross at the same time. You're like, okay, that's really weird. But it's like she's wearing like Daisy Duke real high cutoffs and like what it's all this pumped up sexuality to this thing that you're like, this is playing against type. And once you know why they're playing against type, that's when the basement door shoots open, open. of course. You know, thing the wind must have blew this open. And I love Marty goes, How does that make any sense? He literally is the voice of reason the entire time. He sounds like Shaggy. Uh, from Scooby Doo, oh, okay. right kind of thing. Yeah, not not yeah. not Shaggy the rapper, you know, right. like you know, who wasn't me? You know, he sounds like like he basically kind of sounds like not as much like Matthew Lillard playing Shaggy in the live action, but he sounds like Shaggy from the because he's Shaggy always seems like he's you know twelve joints in, right kind of thing. But Marty's everything he says is right on. It's true and accurate, and you're like, but you're like, oh, he's just a conspiracy stoner, right? It's like. You know, on SVU, when Richard Belzer would say of his conspiracy, right. whatever kind of thing, you're like, ah, oh, but then in the episode when he's right on everything, you're like, oh my God, he's right. Like, but he's not right all the time. And they're like, Marty's always a conspiracy guy. It's okay. He's just really it seems stoned. Like a, a, I mean, at this point, even he's saying, you still don't know, even though now you know that there's something going on on the other side of the curtain. Right. And... But you're not sure what's happening yet. Well, yeah. Just that they're kind of well, they're kind of they're kind of leading them where they want to go. Yeah. So they go down into the basement, and what's happened at this point is before they're in the basement, they're taking bets on what do you think it's going to be, and it's like that scene. I love that scene. First of all, yeah, they're taking the, the back, back, back in, in, the, in the in the lab. In the lab, they're taking bets on what you think they're gonna they're gonna pick. So and it's now this huge board, and they're taking money, money. and then they go. He goes, you can't notice. They never say zombie, werewolf, whatever. They never say. He goes, what do you, what do you say? He goes, uh, you can't have this one. Maintenance got this. You want to be in with maintenance? He goes, uh, I don't know. What do you think? He goes, I don't know, man. I wouldn't pick it. Yeah, you want to split it? I mean, you want to split the money? Like, it's so purposely leaving out certain words. Because at that point, you don't know, okay, are they going to send a killer in? Like, is, are they betting on who's dying first? Is it like Running Man, where you're yes. betting on how they're going to die? Right. Like, at this point, this could still be a straight, all right, let's send in, like, then they just release Jason Voorhees into the thing. That's what this could still be. We don't know yet that it's, gonna be this in you know the insanity that's gonna happen. So they take the bets, all right, we're closed, the bets are closed. And then now we go cut back to the basement and they're watching on the screen. And I love how in the movie you're you're in the lab with them watching and you slowly get closer to the screen and then you hit the screen and go into the live of it. 
it's cool. It's, it's a really nice little touch that most people might not even realize. Down in the basement, of course, uh, you know, one of them picks up the the um, the the diary, right? right? The he <laughs> he's got the conch and he's going to blow into the conch, and we'll understand why that was really crazy in a minute. Then they they also have the necklace off the bride. Mm. We have um, he's looking through the like the, the, he's looking through the film, and you're like, okay, this is this basement has. Every single horror movie trope, way of conjuring a, an evil spirit or some kind of demon or some kind of monster, they're all in that basement. It's an entire basement of every single horror trope ever in one place. Because what do you call? Uh, hold when he's picking up. Uh, um, Chet picks up. Now it's not a cube. So anyone who might say it might be copyright infringement that it's a puzzle cube. It's a puzzle sphere that he's yeah. turning that's gold and has clicks and stuff like that. So every one of them is starting to like, you're like, okay, who's going to put, going to put the necklace? She's going to put the necklace on. Is she going to read the book? Is he going to solve the cube? Cause you, in your mind, you're going, Oh my God, are you kidding? This is no longer Jason Voorhees, you know, Michael Myers no. kind of, so you now have Hellraiser. You now have, um, you know, a d- demonic possession, or either demonic possession or Even, a ghost, or phantasm. Yeah, for, right. Yeah. Well, well, phantasm. The ball, the ball yeah. but the ball is minor. But they're actually yeah. from a different dimension. Um, on the film is could be like any fucking like, movie, Sinister, which hadn't happened yet. Like, there's your your mind starts going through like the Rolodex of, oh my god, we are not in a slasher movie. We are now in a anything goes Ooh. movie. So. I think that the funny part is obviously when they start reading, she starts reading the Latin. Like, let's do this. And they get to the Latin. So don't read the Latin. Don't, and what does he go? Don't, I say we go back. I dare all of you to go back upstairs. And it's like, I wouldn't read the Latin. And it's like, what is, what is the line that Phoebe said? Uh, not Phoebe. Um, um, what do you, it's, in, it's in the Mummy movies. Uh, Rachel Weiss says it. She goes, what, what dangers, what, what bad things have ever come from reading a book? And then by the second one, she goes, whatever happened from reading a book? And he really goes, do you not remember? Mm-hmm. Like, literally, that's the, you know, that's what the, the the Egyptian yells. Don't read from the book. And she raises the undead army, you know, without that. Um, so they're in the basement. They read from the book. And they're reading about this family of, uh, speak, I mean, it's hard to even, just call them inbreds. It's basically what they are. They, they're, they're, in, it was it hillbilly inbred right. zombies. That's what basically they're going to come out to be, right? But it's talking about how their 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 addiction to pain and like and it's all about like like it's it's weird. It's because it's written in like obviously very old English, not old English like British old English, but like uh, uneducated turn of the nineteen you know nineteen hundreds. Exactly what yeah. yeah, kind of that kind of English, you know, like like they like. They they learnt it wrong, you know, kind of thing, right? Exactly. <laughs> when they start reading that, everyone's ah, oh! and the winner is maintenance and the intern, right? And the woman goes, "Well, no, that's not fair. I had zombie." And they go, "Let's look." And they show, show the, the board. board, and then you see the board. You're like, "Oh my god!" I, that's I love that scene with the board. She goes, "I have zombie." He goes, "You do. You do have zombie. Mm-hmm. See how it's over here? You have zombies. This is over here, <laughs> hillbilly." Uh, me, uh, zombie family death cult or whatever, and she, she's like com- two very different things, and that's when you get like, man, he had the conch in his mouth. We almost had my merman. You don't want a merman, dude. They're gross, and the cleanup's disgusting. <laughs> this movie is very funny. 
which I think some people also don't remember because in Cabin Fever, if you're you know kind of mm. thinking like you know if you if they if they're in your mind conflated, Cabin Fever has no humor. It's not funny no. at all. It's disgusting and gross and 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 the pancakes thing is weird. But like it's kind of actually like kind of like you, you feel like at some point you're like okay that's kind of racist and it turns out it's not. It's part of whatever. But um, this has a lot of humor in it and it's a lot of like satire humor. It's not like stand-up comedy no. jokes there's it's satire humor you're like oh, that's pretty funny that's pretty funny of course they now have raised the family of uh you know hillbilly zombies from the dead from the, from the grave and it and the, this is you know the the arms and, and coming up out of the yep. out of the the, the, the the grave um and they they i mean and the they look like any any zombie you would find that Greg Nicotero would have would have put yeah. together. Yeah, well, AF, and, AF, and, AFX effects. I mean, uh, studios. Yeah, they do solid work. Yeah, but well, this, this was uh, um, this was Shiflet. Uh, Todd Shiflet was the uh, well, it, but, was, yeah. it was his company here. Well, but AFX is the is the the, yeah. the whole effects company. They all worked on it, right? right? So the whole idea is that. They, I mean, it's this isn't just you know done by like you know some guy you never heard of. This is an, a major effects company right. doing this work. Well, the thing is not they because remember this was done through MGM originally. This wasn't Lionsgate hiring well, right, whoever. Yeah. This is why you don't have K and B whatever. Yeah. MGM was going with who they normally work with. Yeah. And the, the the thing with the zombies is that in order to to bring them into into the picture, the uh, the the the, uh, the blonde and uh, yeah, Jules and, and Chet. Jules, they go out. For, well, for a walk. Well, because they're, they're turning, because they've now, they've amped this up, and they, and even this one, Marty keeps saying, why does he keep acting like this? Why mm. are they, she's pre-med, she's not stupid. Right. He's a sociology major, he's not this. And so what, so what? So they go into the woods, though. What do, what do they do? They they let the, the pheromones come up out Well, of but the, that's what happens. They get in the woods, and they're like, she's teasing them. Right. He's like, stop running right. away. And everyone's now standing there with their drinks, <laughs> wanting watch, to watch them it's have. only the men. Yeah, right, oh, yeah, right, right, right. And they're all standing there, and what happens is, they go, uh, right. It's only sixty-five. They turn, they turn the heat up to like in the seventies. So he starts taking his clothes off. They're gonna about to do it, and they, they like they they flip up. He goes, "All right, enough, enough. Everyone out. Let us do our job. You can keep your base instincts." And everyone's like, "Oh," because they got because they have to have. She has to take her top off. That's one of the right. rules. They go. She goes, "All right, let's see the goods. We have to get the top off." She gets on top of him, takes her top off. Like, all right, there we go. That's the first, and it's like it's like a check mark kind of thing. Right. Like. We have to go in the basement and have pick one. They picked one. Great. Now she has to get her top off, okay? Now they need to start being in the process of getting ready to... They don't have to be having sex, but getting close to the point where they're going right. to be having sex. And that's when the... That's when all and the, that's when, when the zombies the fam- attack. The family. Right? And it's not just zombies. They all have weapons. Weapons. The bear trap... Oh, the, that just hooks. It uses it, as like um, it. Well, it's it's on a chain, obviously, because it's a bear trap. But it's it's like it kind of reminds everyone like Scorpion from like uh, Mortal Kombat, where he shoots yeah. the dagger and pulls you in. It's used to clamp on their back yeah. and yank them in. There's the giant rusty saw. There's the trowel, the rusty trowel, the knife. Like they, none of them have pleasant looking. Right. They're all rusted, disgusting looking weapons because they'd be in the ground yeah. from 1900. And the thing here now is this is this is not an escape movie. They the one by one they're going to get Oh them. yeah. They're so so now so of course so they kill Jules and this is when Chet's able cuz Chet's attacked and he's able to get away and gets back to the house and he burst in and he goes where's Jules? They got her. What got her? They got her. Just barred the door. And he goes, I'm going to go. And he opened the door. And there's the 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 father standing right. the zombie. He's like, "Oh, and they slam the door and he starts putting the 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 uh the 
the what do you call it, the saw through the door, and you're like, so now you're like, okay, everybody, we got to get to like, uh, you know, they they want them to start doing the right things they're supposed to be doing, but the problem is Marty, who keeps smoking more and more weed, is saying no, we want to stay together, no, we want to this, so they're boarding up the the, the room, but now they're busting in, and what happens is, the uh, you know, they're like, we got to get. Everyone get quickly. Uh, he goes. We gotta stay together. And then the check says, "No, we gotta start. We gotta uh, split up." And it's like, "What? We don't want to yeah. split up, well, you know?" Yeah. You know, what thing was well, before check the when, when Jules huh. gets killed. Yeah. Obviously, that was the scene where they actually saw her head off. Yes. Right. Yeah. Jules gets a knife in the back. Yeah. And yet he when he comes when he comes back. It, it it seemed like it didn't affect him. Oh, Chet! No, Chet's bleeding. Chet yeah. got stabbed in the back. Yeah, Jules got the cl- yeah. the clamp in her back. Yeah, uh, and they sawed her head off. He stabbed, but it didn't go all. It wasn't. It didn't go through. It just stabbed him in his back. Yeah. He's bleeding though. So, but you're what you're seeing is obviously supposed to be the adrenaline carrying him through. Right. They go into the room. They start barricading. He was like, "This is a bad idea." Barricades in the room. The rooms are all then. They lock them in their rooms, and it's like, of course they do, right? Of course they do this stuff. Um, the issue then is becoming that. Now they're locked in their rooms. They can't get out. This is exactly where the zombie, they, they can have them kill the proper people. And this is where we learn people have to die in a certain order. order. And you're like, huh. And if you think about all the movies from the 80s, the girl who's doing, who's having sex, she's the one who's killed first. The athlete is always killed second. Like they have their roles to fill. Right. You well, know? you got to remember now, this is. The, the kills, the kills, believe it or not, are secondary. Yeah. Because the order that they must die is part of the game. Yeah. And if anything is out of order, you're going to either you get you, you lose brownie points or you actually lose the game. Yeah. Now, we have seen the, was, it was Stockholm and uh, uh, what the other, the other yeah, country, yeah. On, they're on fire. And, yeah, okay, so is that is that the result? If you don't win the game, yeah, you, something's going to happen. Something's yeah. going to happen. Well, then, but then and that's when the, the Japan, you yeah. still they're, they're still they don't cut back to Japan ever. Like until the when they get they get back to Japan and like oh they screwed this up kind of thing. The whole point is Japan has a hundred percent. They never fail. Never fail. They, they always murder all the little girls in the room. It's never a problem, right? Kind of and thing. Yet, and yet the the end of the the end of the Japan scene. Is the little girls coming together and praying, and praying, and, and putting her soul into a frog, and she can live in this happy frog. But but that's that, that's we're coming up to that. So let me the, tell you, <laughs> what we you got to see the movie to understand yeah. what we're talking about. So they go through. So now they're so now they're bursting through, and that's when uh, um, you know they they have to. The whole point is that um, they're trying to get out of the house, uh, and during that time when we learn. That the Japanese uh, have failed, and so they're trying to get out on there, and they're trying to break through the door, and they find that's when they put the bed up against it. They find a way into the basement, so uh, they head down to the basement. So what's happening now is, uh, oh well, we kind of left this part. Um, Marty gets, uh, well, we'll get to that. So uh, you're 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 kind of getting their way into the basement, so they can. That's the only way they can get back to the main part of the house to get out. At this point, Marty is dragged out, and he's dragged into the grave. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, so Mar- you're figuring, because you hear stabbing and screaming, right. you figure Marty's got to be dead. Now you have um, you have um, uh, Dana, Chet, and Holden are running for the van. Go, we got to get out of here. Well, they start going, and they're now driving to the tunnel. 
And you're like, and uh, they go, well, you can't get out. That the tunnel's blown. And then uh, they go, what? The tunnel's not blown. They go, what do you mean the tunnel's not blown? Yeah. Uh, send, no, blow the tunnel. We can't. What do you mean something from upstairs? Something from upstairs is, no, no. So now the tunnel's got to blow. Because if they don't blow the tunnel, they, they escape. They, and it's all lost. And now everyone in the whole world is dead. Right? So they're going. So that's when he has, that's when they, they go get dig underneath. They got to like fix the wires. And they blow the tunnel while they're in it. And what does just Chet say? This doesn't make any sense. How could the tunnel explode? Fine. They back up now out of the tunnel. He goes, I'm going to jump the ravine in my bike. And you're like, okay, like that ravine looks huge. But if you remember from the beginning, when the bird flew into the ravine, there's something there you can't right. see. So now they're like, well, Chet will jump. He goes, I jump way further than this. And you're like, okay, this seems nuts. But again, in a situation when you're life and death, sometimes you'd kind of pick nuts as the only thing you can do, right? right. He goes to jump the bike. He jumps the bike into the, the matrix. The, yeah, well, it's it's, 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 it's a screen. A it's screen. Yeah, right? For, and then he doom, 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 all the way down the cabin. So Chet and the bike are now gone and dead. Right. And every time, every time a death occurs, there's a wall yeah. somewhere in the, in this, in this corporation or whatever it is that the blood fills in the, yeah. the well, they break the thing and it the fills silhouette, in of what the they were. Of, yeah. who, of who's di right. who died. So you've now had you've now had the whore die. They've done the blood for the fool, fool, right? And now they did the blood for the athlete. And so they get back in the van. And then so it's Holden's like, well, we're just going to keep driving. And Lucina's like, no, we can't. We can't do this. This doesn't make any sense. None of this makes sense. So now like nothing makes sense. And the whole thing, Holden's like, we're just going to keep driving. And she goes, well, we're going to run out of road. He goes, we'll just keep going until the van runs out again. We'll just, then we'll keep walking. We'll just keep going. And, of course, now there's in the van with them is one of the kids. Yeah. So Holden gets his in the van, right? And now now that he's dead, they all celebrate at the lab. They go, oh, uh, you know, it was close, but we got this one, right? Cause, and they go, so they, and they bring up, they go, well, but she's still alive. The virgin doesn't have, have to, to die, die as long as she suffers. And we think she's suffered. And, and now at this point is when they now they're going. She's running to the lake and they're chasing her to the lake and they're beating her pillar to post on the lake. That he doesn't just kill her is. But meanwhile, in the background, that's all occurring and they're all partying and they're trying to like. So you want to go to like you know like want to go out for drinks? He's this guy's trying to hit on this woman who couldn't pay less attention to him. And it's funny because that happens and the, the red phone rings. They have music playing to the red phone rings and he goes, "Kill the music," and he's like, "What do you mean? Who?" No, no, I'm not questioning you. Where? Where is he? And they look, and they're like, now behind the redneck, right before he's about to kill her, is Marty, Marty with the giant metal bong, which he uses to catch the uh, the the bear trap. The bear trap. And then they wind up going, and they start, uh, and they they beat the thing, they try to kill the actual zombie, and they said, how does this happen? How could this possibly happen? Like whatever. So. They're running from his hobby. Marty's like, and he goes, he goes, in the grave? He goes, just shut up and get in. He goes, in the grave? He goes, get in. They hop in the the, the, the grave, and get in the casket, and, and close is, the close the lid. A complete underground. Right. So facility. what you're thinking is they're gonna be hiding inside a casket, they'll find them. They drop into a room and you're like, what? A sterile, I mean it was it's, it's all metal, metal, right? Yeah. So Marty's got a panel open and he goes, Oh. Yeah, I had to hack the other one apart with the trowel because the because the zombies now and he had I had to dismember it. It's all little pieces and parts crawling around the ground, and like the zombie hand is there and whatever. And I'm like, okay, so everything you're kind of thinking like, okay, well, 
this movie's kind of taking these strange turns. You now have now turned this thing completely now where it's like, wait a minute, all this is below them. So what's above them is the cabin, right? Yep. So something happened above them. Marty's like, well, I got into this panel. I started messing with things. Marty screwed up the explosion. So without even knowing it, Marty almost saved the day by doing that, right? So Marty's in there doing, he goes, I can open this. So they get into an elevator. And he goes, okay, well, I kind of start, and he starts playing around and go, oh, get in. And, they, and then, of course, parts of the zombie are falling in and stuff like that, right? So there's parts of the zombie in there with them. And they're in the elevator. And this scene, it, it starts out a little slow because they're kind of like, well, what's there? And it's, they, they, it's a complete glass elevator. And another one comes up to, and it's a, it's a werewolf. Yeah. It's a huge werewolf, right? You're like, holy crap, okay. But, it, but it's on the other side of the glass. Another piece of glass. Right? It's in yeah. its own glass container. And then behind them, they move, and then there's this ghost you know, apparition thing. You're like, okay. And then... It's like being in a fun house with all the, with all right. the different panels. Right. So then the, the then they move again. And the next one, Marty's looking and it's a little girl who's dressed like a ballerina. And then you kind of see Dana just staring and her eyes are getting bigger. And so Marty's looking and the girl turns around and she has like no, rows of no, teeth. No face. no face. and just rows of teeth. I'm trying to think. It kind of... I mean, I'm trying to remember what exactly it looks like. It's it's it would be like something out of Hellraiser, yes. probably closer than anything else. Yeah. Or nowadays, probably out of Stranger Things. Like it's something like that kind of crazy. It actually looks it looks a lot like this is way before Stranger Things, right? It kind of looks like uh, the Demogorgon from okay. season one of Stranger Things, but all yeah. the teeth, the mouthful of teeth, yeah. right? Well, so so Marty's like, look here, and Dana's like, no, look, look, and he turn around, and now he's not Pinhead because he's got saw blades going through True. him, like right. But he's got the ball. And you're like, oh, that's what... Because the, they could have unleashed them. They could unleash... So all the little ballerina in the thing was going to release her. And you're like, oh my God. Now you get... So they pull back. I love the pullback. And you see all these glass cubes. Hundreds and hundreds of glass with all different... Creatures, creatures monsters, of, you name it, everything. I mean, at this point, when, when the movie is, is what it is. And then they get down there. And then it just explodes yeah. into something. So now, now you see where the thirty million went. Yes, it's all these creatures. So they say, bring them down. And I'm like, okay, well, okay. Now they so now they're going to bring them down because they have to still have to kill Marty. They go, don't hurt the girl, the girl. just kill Marty, and it's or just kill the the fool, right? Because no one knows anyone's names. They get him down there, and the guys pull. There's one guy there, and that's the guy working in the station. He pulls a gun on him, right? So the zombie hand grabs, he goes, ah, and he starts shooting the zombie hand. And of course, Marty slams his skull into there and like breaks the back of his head open and kills him. He goes, good work, zombie hand. And it's things like that. That elicits a laugh. And you're like, okay, that's pretty nuts. They now get out of there, out of that elevator. And they're like, what do we do? And, he, and then that's when Sigourney Weaver starts talking. You're like, is that Sigourney Weaver? Because you yeah. don't know she's in the movie yet. You're like, is that Sigourney Weaver's voice? Because it 100% sounds like her. And, and it's all about like, you're part of a ritual that has been done, you know, hundreds of years, you know, you know, thousands of years. We need to keep life safe. You know, your sacrifice will save humanity and that stuff. And they go into the control panel and they're like, well, what do we do? Because here comes the SWAT teams, right? They start flipping switches and they see it says purge uh purge uh um cells or something right so dane is like slaps the button and so here are all the guys and they're opening fire on the 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 um control box they're in right kind of thing and all of a sudden the elevators go ding 
and they all open, and, and everything, everything comes was, flying out of there. Everything that you could possibly think of. Comes so there's out. kill bots, like little thing, uh, uh, robots with these razors that are cutting guys' heads off. There's a giant snake. There's the uh, um, what do you call? It? So then they start doing the reveals of them. Uh, they actually a lot of them comes out, but then they do certain reveals to reveal certain ones, right? But there's the ghost. There's whatever. You're like, holy cow, right? And and so they get down, and all you see is, and I guarantee you, it's just people with buckets of blood, just taking buckets, just dumping blood, and then throwing limbs at the piece of glass that they can't see of now because all. So you get a, just an absolutely amazing scene of just all this carnage happening. This SWAT team getting absolutely annihilated by all these creatures that then go off, and then the next SWAT team comes in, and the next set of purge happens, and boom, they come out. So what do you get there? We've already seen the guy who looks like Pinhead, right? The inspired by Pinhead, right? right. We have the the clown who is not right. Pennywise, right? But he's he's got a knife and he's pretty sadistic. He's slow, he's gutting people. You get the snake, you get the werewolf, you get the like the ghost, you get the but then you get them all get off and it's all like out of the strangers. Remember that movie, The Strangers, yeah. right? Where they all have the they have the blank the white mask right. on, but they all have on the mask, and you're thinking like, well, that kind of looks like could be out of the Purge. Remember when the purge was made? Remember when this was made? We're not in the same year here, right? Kind of thing. So it's taking the idea that they're all dressed in suits. There's there's all these different things. Every single possible killer, uh, monster, creature you can think of, they're pretty much all well represented here. And then they slaughter them. And what happens is a giant bat, which looks at like the thing right out of life force, right? Yes. Yep. Slams through the glass and now they got to get out of there so now they're running out but now there's absolute carnage happening everywhere right and the bat comes flying out and, ta and takes the the guy right through the wall and he gets slaughtered and now the creatures are now breaking into every and they're killing everyone including they break down the big door oh, which is the, in the, this, control in the control room and that's where we get the scene yeah. where we where we learn by Gilman or, or where I just just want to see a merman. It's just so disgusting because the merman eventually kills, but it's got a blowhole in the back. Right. So originally they said, well, how much should we do? So they talk about how much blood should come out of there, whatever. It's just the right amount of blood to be absolutely disgusting, but yet it makes perfect sense. It wouldn't just be like he's eating them and he's blowholing mm -hmm. the blood yeah. out the back of them. You just get people getting. Uh, um, Whatever the thing comes down and just grabs the woman and takes her off, and it's it's so crazy, but it's like frenetic. It's like it's 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 a completely you know like frenetic frenetic yeah. energy happening on the screen. You're like this is nuts, but it all makes sense. And there are people getting held down and like you know they're they're getting tortured. You have people getting skinned alive. You have people just getting hacked to pieces, and it's all these nameless people you don't know. But it's like okay, this things are really bad. And so now Marty and and Dana escape, and they get underneath, right in the in the escape tunnels, and that's when Stinson comes down into there, and Dana stabs him, right, and because you know she's anyone here is an enemy, so she stabs him, right. That's when they then are able to then escape to get to the chamber where we see all of the different things on the wall, and that's when Sigourney Weaver shows up and talks about we can still save this, all of this. Hell is breaking loose behind them. Literally, everything is going to hell behind them. We can still save this because you just got to kill Marty. Right. Because Marty's given her the gun because he's because she's lost the knife. 
And she's like, he's like, what are you doing? She goes, if I kill him, I save the world. She, yes, you don't have to die. He has to die and we'll save the world from the ancient ones. And it's like, okay, where are these, these twists and coming in? And he yeah. talked about these ancient ones. It's what they're basically talking about, like Cthulhu. They're talking about the old gods. This is a slasher movie, quote unquote. That's what this is supposed to be. But it's not a slasher movie. It's kind of like a crazy horror movie, big brother puppet kind of thing. But it's not really that either. It's really a movie about the old gods. It's a Cthulhu movie at the end. I mean, well, not Cthulhu per se, but like that kind of like, like the old gods. So that's when Marty is like, well, I don't know if you're going to shoot me. And the werewolf attacks Dana, right? And then Sigourney Weaver tries to grab the gun and her and Marty are fighting. And Dana tells Marty, because now the, the, the hillbilly, the daughter who's lost her arm, she comes with her axe. Marty's fighting with her, and, and the girl, that girl's going to kill Marty. Dana warns him. He turns over, and then Scorny Weaver takes the axe right in the back of the yeah, head. Yeah. She dies. So now you've got Marty and Dana, and they're like, and like, well, maybe we should give someone else a chance. You know, maybe, like, whatever. Like, th- like not even kind of even comprehending that if the old gods show up, there is no more us. There's done. It's the whole world's dead. And we have learned at some point here because they kept. Well, how come this guy is able to? How is he able? Because he finds the, he finds the, um, much earlier he finds the camera, and he, he thinks he's on. Am I on a reality TV show? Like, he's figured it all out because the pot he's smoking. They said, well, we laced his pot. Well, he must have. He had so much more pot that it actually counteracted yeah, all yeah. of their drugs. He's so high that their drugs aren't affecting him. And so there, he's like, well. And then they're sitting there, and then what happens? Then we get the start shaking, and then that's the end of the movie. And people complain that the hand at the end looks like garbage. I'm like, it's just there to be a metaphor for the old gods. Right. Like, like, what did you want? You yeah. know, the hand shoots up through the ground and comes down, signifying the end of the earth. Now the thing is, you got to remember that what the again the premise of this of this movie is that if if all of these if all of these tasks happen. The yeah. gods will allow the earth to continue. Yes. Okay. Now, what I when when I'm when, at the end of this movie, I'm saying to myself, number one, is everything pre-done? Were they were the were the five college students? Did they know that they were that? I mean, not that they know. Were they um, predetermined to go on this trip? Because the when. The original premise was that this was somebody's cousin's cousin cabin. cabin, and that they went there. So it, it was. It was not so you can. So they they talk about a little of that throughout the thing. They kind of drop hints because Marty says, "I don't think Kurt even has a cousin." That literally they've been drugging them. Yeah. So now they. So now the they, gods. The gods have. Well, actually, no, well, the not the gods. Okay. The, the 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 people who are trying to appease the gods. Right. The cult. The cult. Right. But they. They've the, been picking them off. They have the power, and and the wherewithal. Well, they're drugging to, them to kind of like. Well, he's like, yeah, my cousin has. I think, but it never makes sense. He never cousin never has a name. Right. Never. He I think there's nothing else there. So they were, those five were picked. Picked. Spe- specifically. specifically. Right. Yeah. Um, in that, in that you had a group that fits the right criteria and the right friends, and if they send them there, they can get to this thing. Like it all had to be, right. like, yeah. I mean, and well, you know, and it, we, we, you mentioned that you know when the red phone rings, yeah, when when we got the a bat problem, phone, yeah, okay, the bat phone. I immediately said, 
This is Mount Olympus. And the gods are determining the fate of the people, just like in just like in Jason and the Argonauts. We've got Well this, Yeah, we, putting saying, him no, in the situation. Putting him yeah. in the situation. I said, so there is there is an an uh, an, uh, an upper echelon but the problem is yeah but the old gods are below they stay below these people are there appeasing them so it's it's management quote unquote the management which is sigourney weaver and all them right Right. they're telling them no no do this do this but again you if 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 you don't buy into the premise of this movie this movie is not gonna make a whole lot of sense because you have to buy into the premise like you have to kind of say this is not turn your brain off beavis and butthead kind of thing this is you have to think but you have to buy in that all right they're able to drug these kids to kind of get them to do what they want them to do to fall into the situation. Because if you don't buy that in the first place, yeah. then what are you wasting your time for? Right. But it's, it's but it's like anything else. It, it would be like, it, I, and, you know, we, we, I know we bring up a lot of the same kind of things. It would be like saying, well, I'm willing to believe that there can be a shark on the beaches of Amity, right? But I have a hard time believing that there's going to be a second shark for Jaws 2. Like, you have to buy into that. Yeah. Like, if you don't buy into that, there is no Jaws 2. Well, the thing is, that, the thing, yeah, well, with right. Jaws 2 is that the mate was there. Right. And, and no, no, the problem is Jaws... Sharks don't mate for... <laughs> well, well I mean, but, they, but they, no, they, but the thing is that, is that, what I'm saying is, if you don't buy in right. to the premise, premise of the movie, then the... But that's like any movie. But unless you're watching a documentary. Unless you're watching a pure documentary like okay. a ken burns you know baseball, baseball yeah. or civil war documentary where it's all facts facts well the, the, you gotta buy into the premise in the movie yeah, but see the thing is with this movie you don't you don't buy into the premise until you're almost towards the but end. that's what i'm saying but no you bought into the okay we're gonna watch this kind of cheesy yeah 80s send up huh why is it not going by the script oh i see they're kind of like so you you're you're in the movie and you're thinking like 30 minutes in this is exactly i'm gonna get Carbon copy cutter, right? You know, car, you know, a uh, you know carbon copy of what I've had before. That okay. Now it's doing a little bit of scream, a little meta thing, and then it kind of turns it further. Like that's the whole point. Like they set you up, and you're like, I know where I am. Oh, okay, okay, we're gonna be here. Yeah. Okay. Then then they, they set you up, and you're like, wait a minute. They just pull the rug out from around you and say, Oh no, you're not. You're yeah. still here. <laughs> How many times do you, can you, as you're watching this movie, do you say, What the hell is going on? Right. I mean, well, that's- or no, more like, Why is this going on? Well, what? Yeah. Okay. Why are they doing? this why are they splitting up why are they not why are they because none of them are stupid that's no. the whole thing they're yeah. all intel there's not a bunch of dumb teenage kids who don't know any better yeah. it's a bunch of intelligent college-age students who are all pre-med and sociology majors and what like they're all supposed to be really smart and you're like man they're making a lot of dumb choices for smart people because they're being drugged into making yeah. dumb choices because that's the whole point of the movie yeah now the the uh uh, I'll call it the corporation, but down in the in the control room, you have, especially when when they when they have, you have the, the the group of guys. Yeah. Out, there must be a hundred people. Yeah. So, but that's their job. Yep. So at the end of the day, they go back to the real world and they live, you know, on on right. on Main Street and what yeah. have you, and go shopping at Shoprite or whatever. Yeah. And th- so, yeah, this is what I'm saying. I'm watching this. As I said, I was watching this movie and. The thing that got me, and I think I mentioned this right away, is when they, when the, the the camper heads through the tunnel, yep, and the and the hawk or the eagle, eagle whatever, yep. hits that grid, and either disappears or well, is it, smoked. It, it hits it, it burns, and it, burns, it drops. And it's yeah. gone. You, that if you if, if for some reason you didn't see that, 
Right. Now you're going to go another 20 minutes and not figure what the hell is going on. Right. But you know, at that point, you know something, something has to be up. Something is up. And they're going through a, a, a rock tunnel to get... It's one thing when you're crossing a bridge. Even if there's a river, there's a bridge. You can still kind of maybe get across the river if you had to. There's no way except that rock tunnel. And you're like, man, that really seems convenient that there's a rock tunnel. But that's why it's there. It's yeah. all... Everything. Yeah. See, if you when you look at the movie from the outside, you can say like, "Well, that's dumb. Don't do that." Well, that's dumb. Do do. But how many movies can you look at if you're not the character in the movie from you know out an omnipotent point and say, "Well, that's they, they should know that." Well, how should they know that? Yeah. Right. Everything in this movie plays and makes sense when you understand that they're being drugged and kind of manipulated into things. And that's what right. one of the women says. Uh, the one of the 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 one from the chemical lab. She goes, "Well." Or um, she goes, well, we, you know, did this, this, and, and then that's when the security guard goes, yeah, but if, but if, if it's rigged, why he goes, well, it's not rigged. They, they get as much free choice. They could have stopped. Yeah. They didn't have to come in here. They didn't have to do this. And it's all very convenient stuff. But you're kind of leading them there. Yeah, you no, know, kind of things. Is it? This is not the, when you get to when you get to the gas station. The old man there. It, it's obvious that this is not the first group. Yeah, that he's sent in. Right now, is the is the scenario the same for each group that goes through? You know, do do they pick similar five they have to. or whatever? They have to. They have to have the yeah. five. So, they all have to meet the five criteria that they have. Right, but it, but is it? But is but is the result? Well, the result obviously has been they all has, die. Has, has been all die, and they all die in the right sequence. But how many times have they played this game before? Well, that's and, the whole, that's the whole and point. Now, and now yeah. there won't be another game. Well, there's no, there's no more world. The right. whole point is that the world yeah, ends the at the world end. Ends. The, the, all the gods, because they failed everywhere around the world, mm. and all the old gods are awake now because no one appeased them. So they're all coming. So now the, when the old gods come, the world dies. dies. You know, it's very H.P. Lovecraft, which is kind of funny. I never would have, I would not have pegged this as an H.P. Lovecraft ending, right. but that's like what it is. is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, of course, you know, uh, like we said, this movie, uh, it's 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 smart. I think a lot of people, when it first came out, kind of maybe kind of wrote it off like, well, I don't know. This, this seems like it's just another, you know, cheesy whatever movie. Um, it actually made... Uh, um, it, and, um, it made forty two over forty two million in the U.S. It made twenty over twenty four million uh, internationally, um, and then um, against you know against thirty million. Its opening weekend, it opened um, at five five and a half million and went on to gross fourteen point seven million in its opening weekends in the U.S. Uh, playing in just shy of just over twenty eight hundred theaters. So that's a major release. Twenty eight hundred oh, theaters yeah. is a major release. Well, that's that's the um, Lionsgate for you. Yeah, but I'm saying, but that's because um, and then um, uh, we wound up closing in July, um, and then it, that's what they're talking about the different kind of things. Uh, critically, this movie has really good reviews because anybody who actually watched it liked it. It's the people who are like, it's just nothing. And if you could, you could tell when a review was a BS, right. I never watched the movie review and just looked at the name and said, oh, it's just going to be this cookie cutter because it was nothing specific. Anyone who actually read or read, excuse me, who actually watched the movie those reviews talk about how smart it is, how you'll, you know, the, the, the twist all makes sense, the characters are well-defined, how good the acting was. It was kind of like, okay, so it became very clear that some people didn't even bother watching it to give it a bad review. But overall, it has a really good score. Audiences found this thing to be, I mean, obviously it made money. When, when, when they, were, they, were, they were talking with, uh, you know, 
average people, not not uh, reviewers. Um, about they said about seventy two to eighty percent were very positive about the movie. They said they enjoyed it. It was a good time. Um, you know, some of the negatives that people come up with was I, well, I thought the hand looked fake at the end right. or whatever. So these are people who are going there to nitpick to try to be like that guy. But we all know those guys because they're just jerks, right? Kind of thing. Yeah. If you if you're there saying, well, I thought the giant, I thought the the fifty foot tall cobra didn't look a hundred percent real, like a fifty foot tall cobra, like. Dude, you're missing the point. By that point in the movie, you have laughed. You have been like, you've jumped because there are some some of the jumps in this movie. I mean, they're good jump scares. I've seen this movie, and I had so I watched it with my I had my headphones on, right? I had uh, the wireless sense. So now when the sting happens, it's right in my ear, and I know it's coming, but it's like, oh, okay, because it's in your ear. It's this is a movie that I guarantee you in a theater on a Friday night with a bunch of date night kind of thing. Oh, and people will be screaming and yelling. This, this is a kind of movie like that. This is a 1980s throwback movie that's completely done in the current day, smartly written, smartly cast, uh, well executed kind of thing. And I, and the honest, I don't remember this being on this. It's never on TV. No. But I don't even know the last time. I mean, obviously, I own the Blu-ray and the whatever, and I have it on. I bought the digital. Because um, Amazon will run sales sometimes. We're like movies like this, two ninety nine digital to buy it. All right, I don't didn't come with a digital. Sure, you know. Um, so you movies like this, I think sometimes people forget about because it's just not around a lot, and there's no sequel. Right. Right. Since so there's no Cabin in the Woods two, which would make no sense. Right. There's no like. There's no any. It's not like it's not a franchise. It's not whatever. There's you know, like. There are, you know, what? There are 12 Friday the 13th you know, in yeah. that whole series, right? There are, whatever, how many, like 10 or 11 Halloween movies or whatever. Like, there's there's a lot of them. So you see, this is the only one of this. And it wasn't like uh, Drew Goddard and Josh Wheaton then said, hey, we made that first one. Let's make another one. It's not like Jordan Peele where uh, he made, you know, and then, and because he, because, you know, like when he made, um, I just blanked on the first one where, where it's all about the the they're all the slaves. Um, remember? Oh, uh, yeah. I can't think of it. Then, yeah. then the second one was us. us, and now the next one is nope, nope. Right? I got to oh, think. Right, yeah. right. So, but that says Jordan Peele, and you're like, oh, it's Jordan Peele. This wasn't like that. None of those. And again, I haven't seen Nope, but I'm saying the first two aren't anything alike. I mean, they have a lot of like you know, I mean, uh, you know, some some actors might cross over and whatever, but they're not alike. It's it's like. When the new Candyman came out, and I know you didn't see the new Candyman yet, which you should. It's amazing. The that's not Jordan Peele's movie. Uh, he's executive producer. He wrote whatever, but it's uh, Nia, and I forgot Nia's last name. And I'm sorry because I definitely should know that. Um, it's her first movie, and the movie you're watching this going, okay, is it just going to be a remake of the movie from the '90s? Because I remember the movie from the '90s, and then Virginia Madsen. You're like, oh, wait, this is nothing like that movie, and yet this movie is a direct sequel. And you're like, holy crap, this is so in- insightful. And now the next movie she makes, I want to see what it is because she wrote and directed with, uh, and Jordan Peele also wrote right. it. I want to see what else she can come up with. When you, if you said, if Drew Goddard came off of this and then and then him and um, Joss Whedon mm. said, this is the next movie we're making, people be like, oh, I like Cabin in the Woods. What's that next one? Because people know them together as Buffy and Angel. Right, and, yeah. 
I know you didn't watch Buffy or Angel oh, or whatever, okay. but holy cow, were those oh, big no, hits. They, they were popular. Huge yeah. hits. I mean, I, the WB lived off of Buffy I, yeah. until like One Tree Hill and Dawson's Creek and those other ones right. where Josh Williamson came from, which is the guy who wrote Scream uh, with Wes Craven and stuff like that, until they came around. Those those things saved the WB. And that made the WB from this nothing station into yeah. destination television in the 90s. Yeah. I, mean, I have to tell you, I, th- I this movie was, was was released in 2012. Yeah, uh, I obviously have the the DVD because I pulled it out to watch it again. So I must have seen this movie, but again, I said in the beginning, I didn't remember, and I'm surprised even at myself that I did not remember that this was the type of movie that it, it actually turned out to be. Because watching it again, I had. I, I had no recollection. I was following this movie as if it was brand new to me. And I must tell you this, I will watch this again mm-hmm. very soon and to, and watch it knowing what the ending is. Yeah. Because now I want to be I want to be enlightened as to oh, there's that cue, there's that cue yeah. and there's that cue. I mean, the only cue when I first watched it was the was the 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 eagle getting getting yeah. roasted. Yeah. And from that point on, everything be, was, as I, like they say, it's new to you. Right. And yet, as I said, Jay, if you, if you had, if this movie was from 82, 1982, and I had seen it maybe in the... 30 years ago. 30 years yeah. ago. Yeah. I, but again, 10 years... Well, think about how many movies you watched in those 10 years, and how many... Okay, this movie, at the time, would have stood out, but how many movies have we watched... Where the special effects are amped through the roof, where the everything's amped through the roof. Yeah. I mean, every time you watch, we're at a point now where a quote unquote TV series, which is not on television, which is streamed. So Stranger Things, Kenobi, yeah. whatever. Though, like even even like the the all the Marvel ones, like they're all just movies, but they're six and eight hours long. It's just so much. You want you yeah. think like, well, I didn't watch a movie, but I watched I watched season you know season one of Stranger Things. How many episodes? Oh, it's twelve episodes, and each one is an hour. It's twelve oh, hours. Right. It's like watching six movies, you know, kind of thing. So yeah. that's what I'm saying is I think what's happening now since we've streaming has come so far in the last ten you know last decade or so. That movies that we used to sit down, like you'd sit down and watch a movie, but you might watch Jeopardy, you might watch the news, much whatever. But if you guys sit down and watch two episodes of, like, you, I mean, think about it. There's, if you're watching TV show at night, right? Let's say you're watching Law and Order, right? Then SVU. Well, they're not related to each other unless they're a crossover event. But if you sit down and you watch, you know, episode, you know, four and five of, you know, uh, whatever, of, you know, um, no, whatever movie. Yeah, right? You watch two episodes. It's the same amount of time, but now it's basically watch two movies, right? So you're, it's just so many other things that's going on, yeah. and the is ramped up. So just real quick, um, Josh Wheaton and, and Drew Goddard won the Bram Stoker Award for the screenplay for this movie, uh, for best screenplay. They also won the British Fantasy Award uh, the same year. Um, they actually wound up winning... In the and I know people don't take these as being serious, but those who read Fangoria and vote on these things take them seriously. The Fangoria Chainsaw Award, Best Screenplay. Uh, um, the guy who played Marty won Best Supporting Actor. It was considered to be the best wide release film of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Best Makeup Creature Effects was David Leroy Anderson um, of obviously uh, AFX Effects. Um, he won that. 
Um, they actually wound up winning the Saturn Awards, which is, again, now we're getting into the Saturn. Those are a little more mainstream than the Chainsaw Awards. Um, the Saturn Awards are like the Academy Awards, but for definitely for horror and sci-fi. Um, and they wound up winning Best Horror uh, horror or Thriller Film. And they didn't win, but they were nominated for Best Writing. Uh, and, th- and, and it has lists of other... Uh, the Motion Picture Sound Editors Awards, the Kansas City Film Festival, the yeah. Hugo Awards. Like, the Hugo Awards is another major thing. Best Dramatic Prese- Presentation Long Form. They were nominated for that. Like, this is a horror movie. Like, they're getting nominated. I understand the Saturn Awards and the whatever, but they're getting nominated at, like, real things, right? They are winning awards as the movie, the best movie shown at this film festival, the best of this. Like, the Bram Stoker Awards and stuff like that, I mean, that considers all horror writing, everything. Like, that's like Stephen King and, you know, and Tim LeBon and like real. This is the kind of stuff you get here. It's smart. And I think right. that's one of the things that sets this movie apart. It's smart, which is why you can watch it a second and third time. Don't get me wrong. Are there movies I can watch that are mindless? Sure. Right? There's movies I can pop on and be mindless and kind of half pay attention to, right? Because, you know, I maybe I've seen them like three or two or three times. Like, if I was going to pop on, like, you know, well, I love Part 7, but any of the Friday the 13th movies, I've seen them so many times. I don't have to watch them to know because I know what's coming up. I'm like, oh, this dialogue. And I turn because I want to see, you know, I want to see, you know, whoever get the, the spear in the eye every or 12, whatever, right? 12 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I don't even need a stopwatch. I just know the that's music great. cues, right? Kind yeah. of thing because that's how many times I've seen them. Or it's like watching Predator. I actually oh. can watch Predator with my eyes closed and I just listen to the what is being said and I know the scenes in the movie. Yeah. Robocop's the same way, things like that. It's part of the, that, that intelligent end of things. We've this year covered, Luke and I talked about Robocop and stuff like that, which was at the time people said, well, this movie, Robocop, you're really calling it Robocop? Yeah. And what happened? Robocop became like, holy cow, this movie's so much more intelligent, so much bigger, so much whatever, right? A movie like Predator, which was like, well, this is going to be a blockbuster because it's Schwarzenegger and it's right. all this stuff. And then, of course, Stan Winston, you know, and Matt Rose, you know, giving credit to Matt, the late Matt Rose. And, of course, Steve Wang for making the suit and, you know, using the idea that James Cameron and uh, Winston had yeah, on the plane but, with, the, yeah. you know, the head and stuff. You made an iconic movie, right? Not every movie is going to be, I'm not saying this movie is on that level of like being iconic, but it's intelligent enough where you watch it. It's not insulting the first time right. through. And the second time through, you can watch and watch for the little things that you missed. It's like the first time, uh, the usual suspects always comes to mind. Uh. The first time you watch usual suspects, like when Kelly watched usual suspects with me a long time ago, this is like before we had phones and everything else. She was like, how did, what, how did, oh, sorry. For those of you who don't know, I'm going to ruin the end of usual suspects. If you haven't seen it, get a life. Um, like how is how is that guy, the Kaiser Sose, right. and I and then all of a sudden he starts walking normally and he's like he was lying the whole time like blew her mind yeah. and I said didn't you see this this she goes no I didn't see any of those things but when you sit down and watch it a second time you watch him read Kobayashi off the bottom of the cup you watch him pick off like he literally is doing it in front of you but you can't see it because. You're not looking for that. You're trying to pay attention because this is a very interesting... And the movies, the acting is outstanding in that movie yeah. and as usual suspects. But you're trying so hard to pay attention to what's going on because you're like, okay, I've heard I have to pay attention here. It's like the first time we saw Memento. I took Kelly and oh. Luke and I. We saw Memento in the theater. Blew us away. Blew us away. To the point where we said, do we want to get dinner and come back and watch the next showing? Right? They're like... And we thought about doing that. But it literally... If, if we didn't all have to work literally the next day, we were going to do it because it blew you away. Because when you watch Memento, 
there's you have to understand what goes in order and what goes in reverse and what's a memory and what's not and what's and you're like okay okay but what Christopher Nolan did and again Christopher Nolan's gone on to become Christopher freaking Nolan right um you you look at that and you're saying this is intelligent intelligent movies have that value i don't i don't think i've watched memento in years i haven't watched it again i've seen it a number of times but i haven't watched it again but it was so intelligently done that if it's if i'd said let's put memento on i'm not gonna like ah oh, that movie like, i know how it turns out i know how the movie ends but i still you're still getting grossed yeah. usual suspects you're getting grossed this one i watched this last night yeah. i have seen this movie 15 times yeah. i still love it yeah you know the thing with usual suspects is that it's it's as the movie, you're enjoying the movie as it's as it's it's playing out because they're they're criminals, and then when they get to the to, towards the end with the uh, with the uh, uh, the on the ship and, and what have yeah. you, that ending makes the entire movie. If they if that ending had been botched in one way or another, oh, yeah. it would have been a bomb. Right. But what whatever precedes the last fifteen minutes of that movie. Is fine, but that ending then brings you back to the what right, because the it beginning has, it has to make middle, sense. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, and so but, but, but okay, think of it this way: like think of a movie like Heat, right? right. Which is one of the best. I mean, it, just yeah. just phenomenal movie from start to finish. Has a great gunfight scene in it, whatever. But that movie is about the acting on the screen. screen. How good is and again. Pacino has mailed in a bunch of performances, not Heat. De Niro's mailed in a bunch, not that, not in Heat. I mean, even Val Kilmer, mm -hmm. even I mean, everyone in that movie, even Danny Trejo, who's in the movie for very little, everyone in that movie plays it perfectly, right? Kind of thing. Everything is exactly like it's supposed to be, and it all works beautifully, right? But Michael Mann, your director, yeah, Michael Mann, of course, this is what he's known for. Drew Goddard, this this is the first movie he's ever made. Right. Now he's a writer, and yes, he's done a lot of television. But no one was kind of sure how it was going to work. And Josh Whedon wasn't Josh Whedon yet, you know, kind of thing. So this works on that level. You can enjoy this. It's it's, it's not going to be, uh, I mean, understand this, that it, it's R, and it's R for the violence. Um, and there's a little bit of nudity, but not much nudity. It's, 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 it's flat. Five, five seconds. Yeah, but it's flat, but it's only it has to be there. But this movie is intelligent and worth your time. If you haven't seen it in a while, go revisit it. You won't be disappointed. The one thing I can tell you, though, is that, um, because, you know, it's not, again, it's not on, it might be like on Tubi or on Pluto. I wouldn't watch it there because I'd watch it without commercials. Um, there is a, I'm trying to remember what comes with it. I want to say it was that, hmm, I'm trying to remember what, it was It was a set that had Cabin in the Woods, uh, bu, 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 bu. I'm trying to remember what the other movies, there was two other movies in there. One of them, I think, was Sinister. And I don't remember the other movie. It was just a random yeah. three-pack of movies put out. And, and it's one of those things you get it for like, it's, it's, in the, it's in the $5 bin at Walmart. And it's three regular Blu-rays just in one thing. It's like, who? Because they just try to get rid of them, right? If you can score it real cheap on Blu-ray, well worth the investment. I know some people don't want to own things, whatever. I, like, I bought this thing for $2.99 on Amazon. And it's often on Prime. And it's on Shutter often. Right, so that there's ways to watch it without commercials. The key is not watching this yeah. with commercials because a commercial well, we, takes you out of it. Yeah, wherever the break is, and then they go. Yeah, to, the, but there's uh, no break. Yeah, the problem is the break would the break if the break occurs, even if it's a scene where you're cut, it's a cut scene. 
that next scene ties directly onto that scene. It's not like they're cutting and it's like not related at all. It's a cut scene to them explaining what's happening. It's like everything flows well. It flows beautifully. Yeah. So definitely want to check it out. So, folks, you know, like I said, uh, we try to come up with movies here. Um, and I, I, I didn't even think about the fact that my dad hadn't seen this movie in forever. And obviously it's great that I was able to get him to watch this one again. Um it's a movie that I've seen a bunch of times. You know what this will be? This is one of those things where if it was on, and it's not, but it, when it was on, like, HBO, I could watch the last 10, like, oh, it's got 10 minutes left, I'll watch the end of it, kind of thing. Kelly, how can you watch, like, the last 10 minutes? I go, I know the whole movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's not It's not like I'm throwing on the last 10 minutes of a movie I've never seen, and, like, right. what? <laughs> it's not like I'm throwing on the last 10 minutes of Empire Strikes Back, and I haven't seen the rest of them. I'm like, oh, my God, Vader's his father? Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Empire Strikes Back, get a life. Um, you know, kind of thing. But that's what I'm saying is, like, this is a kind of movie where it's on, if it's if it's on like no commercials, it's on like like an actual like you know HBO or Cinemax or Showtime. Right. I'll pop it on, and this is one of the movies that and see Haley. I don't know if she's seen all of this. She started. She watched it one time. I think she might have watched the whole thing with me once. But in the morning, when, like when we were getting up for school and stuff, uh, kind of thing, uh, when I was home, you know, kind of thing, we're watching whatever. We used to watch Bob's Burgers, but they moved Bob's Burgers. So from like five to six, we got to find something to watch. So we pop on like the HBOs. We'll find sometimes a horror movie. It'll be on. I was like, let's watch this. And we'll jump into like a movie like this halfway through. And it's just we're eating breakfast watching this movie because it's just, okay. Yeah. You know, it's because it's well written and it's not dumb. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, and since that, that happens, you can enjoy it. It's not just like, I, I look at it this way. It happened the other day. I'm going through the channels and it says, you know, up next, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I'm like, oh boy. Like I'm gonna, I'm trying to, I'm gonna eat. I'm about Which to one? eat. Yeah. Oh no, it doesn't matter. They either one coming on. The beginnings are good, yeah. but it's it's the it's the original. And I'm like, I don't have an hour and a half right now because it's now it's not being shown on you know Channel Five. This is on uh like uh it's on um uh, it was not not the Showtime. It's one of the other things, but it's, but it's all just a full movie in the HD from the Blu-ray. It's it's right from the Olive release, and it comes on. I'm like, I'm gonna sit here and watch this whole movie. Like I know I'm gonna sit here because I'm, I'm eating my lunch. Going, yeah. I know I'm gonna sit here and watch it. I still gotta take a shower. I gotta. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like trying to gauge. I'm like, well, this is a good point. I can jump out at this point because it's just engrossing. It pulls you in. This movie engrossing pulls you in. So, yeah. all right, folks. So, um, if you haven't seen this, go check it out. Um, did you see this in the theater? Is this one of the ones you saw? Did you, you know, do you remember this? Is it? Is this a movie that you're like, man, I wish they had, wish these guys had got together and started making a bunch of movies like this. Nowadays, this would have probably been a Bloomhouse movie, you know, but Bloomhouse didn't exist back, you know, right. that many years ago. Obviously, Lionsgate was still on the forefront of that stuff. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Write in, let us know. Um, now, uh, this is the September episode. Now, next month, uh, Luke is going to be joining me as we look at I Was a Teenage Frankenstein to, of course, mar marry up to I Was a Teenage Werewolf mm -hmm. that Dad and I covered earlier this year. Um, and then we have our Halloween special. There's a couple of stuff coming. Um, and then Dad and I will be back, obviously, uh, you know, doing our stuff in because um, next month Luke's on with me twice. And then we're going to have a couple of me by myself. And then Dad's back. So when Dad's back again, it'll be December, um, but it will be for The Incredible Melting Man. Talk about a movie you haven't seen in a long oh, time. Uh, the Incredible Melting Man. And that'll be in December. So that's the next time Dad will be here with me. Um, but obviously the uh, Bots, Bugs, and Babes will be coming at you uh, normally on our regularly scheduled time. So I think we're good on this one, Dad, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so like we say around here, folks, keep those cards and letters coming. And keep watching the skies. This is Tokyo. Once a city of six million people. 
What has happened here was caused by a force which, up until a few days ago, was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown. An unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters, or as they're called in Japan, Daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman, or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. This has been an episode of Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. If you'd like to contact me, please email the show at botsbugsbabes at gmail.com. If you'd like to find me online, I'm on Facebook under my name, Jason Jacknetti. I often contribute to the Two True Freaks Facebook group. You can visit my Facebook page, The Art of Horror Collective, and you can search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective. On Instagram... Find me under my name, Jason Jacknetti, and search the hashtag, The Art of Horror Collective, as well as the new hashtag, Bots, Bugs, Babes Podcast. I'm the only one using them. I'm also on Twitter, at Jason Jacknetti, and you can visit my webpage at www.theartofhorrorcollective.wordpress.com. All movies, characters, stories, music, etc. are properties of their respective holders. This is a fan work. And any use of any property is purely for review, discussion, entertainment. So don't sue me. I ain't got anything anyway. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Will you stop?